mind the gap between religion and culture, but does it exist? Part 1. Religion and Culture If you travel on the London Underground, that is the metro or subway train system, you will soon hear the familiar phrase, mind the gap, as you try to get off at certain stations. The carriages of the train are straight, of course, while certain stations have curved platforms. This means that when the train is stopped in the station, there is in places a distance between the train and the platform, sometimes a distance that can be rather uncomfortable to step over. No one wants to fall down between the train and the platform onto the electrified tracks below. For this reason, the stations have automatic announcements blasting along the platforms, repeatedly saying, Mind the gap. Mind the gap. The train operators, London Underground, don't want to be held responsible for any accident. This phrase, mind the gap, has been heard by so many people and used in so many other ways that it has taken on a life of its own. Mind the gap. There are many gaps in our lives, in the world that we see around us. In this current context, understanding religion, there is indeed a gap to mind. Or at least we assume there is a gap. That is, between religion and culture. Whether religion is the train and culture the platform, or the other way around, we usually assume that the two can be distinguished. And we have to be careful to jump over the gap between the two that threatens to engulf us. After all, we don't want to fall down that gap onto the tracks. In this episode, I'm going to question whether or not there is such a gap. As I have said before, religion is culture, and culture is religion. I will take a few examples of this to make the point. You see, there is an awful lot of religion in culture, and also a lot of culture in religion. To get started with this, remember in the last episode, I talked about the distinction between two forms of culture, between high or elite culture, and low or popular or mass culture. We cannot explore either without finding religion in both these types of culture in some form or other. By talking in this way, I'm not meaning a sense in which we can find religious truths or goodness in culture, expressed in particular by the Christian theologian Niebuhr when he talked of Christ in culture. What we're doing here is not a search for truth, or at least not for what some seek as a religious truth. Instead, what we are trying to understand is how what is often thought of as religion is so deeply implicated in culture that it is too difficult to pick it apart. In practice, there is no gap as such, or at least the gap is just a way of separating out issues that in truth are much more complicated. Let us start with high culture. This is the culture that is considered to be cultivated, civilised, the best of human creation. This may be art or literature, music, or any other form of human creativity. These are things that we consider to be of high quality, major achievements, products of people who were inspired. When we think of music of this type, we tend to think of classical music, Bach, Beethoven, Vivaldi, and so on. That is music that is meaningful and distinct. Likewise, when we think of literature, 
we would think of William Shakespeare, Charles Dickens, Jane Austen, Herman Melville, Mark Twain, and so on. We might not like this type of culture, but we respect it. We know, largely because we have been taught, that it is good quality and it represents something that is special. Moving across ideals of culture, it is part of our culture. It is the best of British or American or European culture that shows us we are cultured and civilised. But as soon as we start to explore this field of high culture, we find that there is a lot of religion going on within it. Thus the high works of English literature include explicitly religious works, such as Milton's Paradise Lost and John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. It also includes the Bible, particularly the work that was for many years the standard English language translation, that is, the King James Bible, often known as the Authorised Version. It is hard to overestimate the influence that the King James Bible has had on the literature, arts and general culture of the English-speaking world. Without that book in particular, we would not say any of the following clichés. To suffer fools gladly. How are the mighty fallen? Money is the root of all evil. Two-edged sword. Physician, heal thyself. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. White as snow. Powers that be. These are all phrases from the Bible, but came into the English language through the translation of the Bible into English under the patronage of King James I of England in the King James Bible. Just try to imagine speaking English if we had not had that particular translation of the Bible. Indeed, imagine whether or not there would have been such a thing as the English language and culture without this religious influence. This is not only limited to literature in terms of music, a large part of the canon of classical music comes from religion, either in terms of liturgical music, masses, requiems, music to be played as part of formal worship, or otherwise choral religious music. Of course, much of this comes down through history to us, from a time when the patronage and performance of prestigious religious music was a sign of power, wealth and status. But such music for example, Mozart's or Fuori's Requiems, Bach Masses and so on, remain part of the high culture of Western or European society, even in times where there is much less social and political significance to religion. In other fields too, such as art and architecture, just think of Michelangelo's David and the Sistine Chapel in the Vatican and Rome. Indeed, much of the history of magnificence and distinction in European architecture is embedded in religion. The cathedrals embodied the religious ideas of the times in which they were built, literally telling the biblical stories in glass and in statues to people who didn't read and for whom the Bible was not even available in their language. This is not to say that high culture is necessarily religious. Instead, there is religion particularly the dominant religious tradition, expressed and appreciated within the elite culture. And this may still be the case, even when the religious values are no longer so dominant. You don't have to be religious to appreciate the skill, 
style, and literary influence of the King James Bible for the great cathedrals of Europe, such as Notre Dame in Paris or Canterbury Cathedral in England. The cultures that they came out of were strongly influenced by powerful religious groups. But although the tides of history mean that such power is no longer exercised by religious kings and the Catholic order of medieval Europe, the power of these religious cultural products are retained. The religion, whatever it may be, is literally embedded and embodied in the cultures as the high culture of civilization. Let's now flip this on its head and look at popular or low culture. This is the world of the non-elite, the things that may not last the test of time, but are enjoyed and perhaps hugely popular for a while. In popular culture, we find books that are read by many, even though they might not be particularly good in the elite sense of high culture. Fifty Shades of Grey, John Gresham, Stephen King, or music that is enjoyable and enjoyed, even if it is not particularly uplifting. Pop music, hip-hop, the music of the pop charts, Spotify, Shazam, and iTunes. When we listen to this music, we might not expect it to have any particular religious resonances. There is, of course, a corner or a niche of popular pop music that is explicitly religious, in particular Christian music, such as the Christian pop music of Amy Grant, Chris Tomlin, and many others, and Christian rock music by artists such as Rebecca St. James and As I Lay Dying. Gospel music has also been a distinctive genre of religious music, with its roots in churches, but widely played far beyond that particular sphere. But in many places of pop music beyond these niches, we often find something related to religion. The most obvious example is the singer Madonna Louise Ciccone, known of course by her first name Madonna, who has been a major figure in pop culture for over three decades. Although Madonna is just her given name, it has clear religious references, and she consciously played on this very strongly in her career. Songs and titles such as Like a Virgin, Like a Prayer, Confessions on a Dance Floor, juxtaposing her overt and at times explicit female sexuality with the more conservative association of Catholic Christianity. As different examples, we can look at two recent high-profile secular singers who have achieved significant pop success. First, there is the English singer Sam Smith and his recent number one, Stay With Me, telling the story of the breakup with his boyfriend. Then there is the Irish singer Posier, Take Me to Church, again, a major number one across many countries. Neither of these singers are overtly religious. 
Indeed, the Irish singer Hosier stresses that his song is against religion, particularly against the Irish Catholic Church. And the video to accompany the song that went viral in itself is about the violence or persecution of homosexuality, which is, through the song, associated with the church. The point is that Hosier's song wouldn't make any sense without an idea of religion in the first place. He sings about the irony of religion, of confessing sin, and the priest sharpening his knife. It is within a cultural language where religion is a given. Amen, as he sings in conclusion. Amen. Amen. And this is the main issue of religion in culture. Just as we found with the King James Bible, the words we use and the ideas that we articulate are framed in religious terms very often without us being aware that they are. Likewise, Madonna, Sam Smith and Hosier, and many others, all produce popular music that expresses and resonates with audience that may or may not be religious, but engage in a cultural place where religion is a common part of the language. The gospel music of Sam Smith's track helps us to express the pain of a breakup, the hope of reconciliation. Madonna's name articulates the idea of the Virgin Mary in the Catholic tradition, whilst she expresses and exposes herself in ways that most Catholics would find scandalous. We do not only find religion in the set-aside places, such as in churches and Christian record labels. The influence of religious ideas, symbols and religious worlds goes through all aspects of society. It is part of our culture, that is, in the Goetzean sense of culture as a way of life, as a shared system of values, and it is expressed in cultural products that are both elite or high culture and also mass or popular culture. It might not be the lofty religion of the church. It might indeed be a challenge to the values of organised religion, such as expressed by Hosier, even though his title says literally, take me to church. And so to wrap this up, we cannot find that gap easily, let alone mind the gap. Instead, we should keep asking ourselves where and how we can find religion in culture and how and why it is there. This is not the end of it by any means. It is only a starting point. We still need to think about what we do with religion when it is found in culture. How do we analyse and interpret this? But before we do that, we need to go on to our next task, which is to find culture in religion. Thank you.